and welcome to a special Christmas edition of the Movies Past and Present Podcast. It's December 20th, 2018, and this is Episode 7. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the Crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, MoviesPastAndPresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get started. We got a lot of movies opening up over the next few days uh, around Christmas time. So uh, I'll start with uh, the film that opened up yesterday, which is Mary Poppins Returns. It's a, a musical comedy. As uh, you all know, it is a sequel to the 1964 original from uh, Walt Disney Studios. And I'm going to actually give a full review of it in the podcast. So. So more to come on Mary Poppins Returns, but it is rated PG by the Motion Picture Association for some mild thematic elements and brief action. Opening on Friday, December 21st, we got a few films. First up is Aquaman, which is the next installment in the DC Comics Cinematic Universe. This is from Warner Brothers. And... Warner Brothers has been having, I think, a bit of a, a bit of a uh, challenge with their DC Comics superhero live-action films. Justice League was not the big hit that I think people had anticipated, particularly Warner Brothers. Frankly, I just think the films have been dark and not that interesting. Wonder Woman was terrific, and. Uh, you know, that's been about it from from my taste on these current live action films. Be interested to see how Aquaman fares. It's been getting, I think, some decent reviews, at least from from uh, comic book fans that I've read. So we'll see. But it's directed by Australian director James Wan, and James Wan has got more of a horror film background. He directed the original Saw film. The original Insidious film and The Conjuring. Um, he also directed another film called Fury, a horror film called Furious Seven. <laughs> Kidding about the horror part, but he he also was part of you know that Fast and Furious franchise. And so now they brought him in to direct this another very CGI heavy film, uh, which takes place I guess a lot of it underwater, at least according to at least according to the previews. And I would assume, given that it's Aquaman. Uh, Jason Momoa is back in the role. He played it, you know, in, in, in Justice League. It uh, is a it's an origin story about Arthur Curry, who I guess that's the name of, of Aquaman. Again, and I'm not familiar with the comics either, so sorry about that. Uh, and he he's going to go on the journey of a lifetime. One that will not only force him to face who he really is, but to discover if he is worthy of who he was born to be. Mystic, hopefully it's going to be uh, a fun movie that that uh, particularly is going to resonate with, with DC Comics fans. I think the DC Comics fans deserve a good movie. So let's, let's, let's hope they get it. Next up is Bumblebee. And Bumblebee is an origin story in this whole Transformers uh, film series. It's got a different 
director, Michael Bay, is not directing it, which I think is a good thing. It's uh, Travis Knight, who is uh, who is uh, from Laika. I mean, he's, he's, Travis Knight directed Kubo and the Two Strings, but he's done stop motion animation. And uh, you know, an interesting choice for for this film. It's been getting good reviews. It's it's again, it's an origin story. It's set in 1987. Uh, Bumblebee, the you know the Transformer Bumblebee. Is he finds refuge in a junkyard in a small California beach town, and Haley Steinfeld, who's just about to turn eighteen, is finding her place in the world, and she discovers Bumblebee, and uh, you know again he's disguised as as this yellow Volkswagen Beetle, but you know we know that he's more than that. So Bumblebee is rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association of America for sequences of sci-fi action and violence. Next up is a romantic comedy called Second Act. It's from SDX Entertainment. And this is starring uh, Jennifer Lopez, a.k.a. J-Lo. And looks like just exactly the same kind of romantic comedy that J-Lo always makes. So it's, uh, although this time they actually say this woman is 40 years old. So we'll see. But this 40-year-old woman uh, is struggling with her unfulfilled dreams. And then she gets the chance to prove herself on, on Madison Avenue in, in New York. So who knows if that's going to be if that's going to be any good. I've, I've seen the preview. And again, I thought that I had already seen this movie before. Uh, next up is Welcome to Marwin, which is a drama from Universal Pictures. This is... You know, they've been showing previews for this for like six plus months. Uh, it's directed by Robert Zemeckis. And I just think Robert Zemeckis, when he's on his game, he's terrific. You know, he's the guy who brought us uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Of course, the Back to the Future movies. And, but then he also went down this weird rabbit hole of of doing performance capture and, and this heavy... CGI, and I think those films have been horrible. Again, people are going to come at me for this. I really hate the Polar Express. It's the most charming book, and the movie is just, I think, just creepy. Uh, don't care for the animation at all. I finally forced myself to watch his, his retelling of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol that starred Jim Carrey, also again in a performance capture, and, and it was... I just thought that was an absolutely dreadful film. And anyway, he's he's back at it. This film is based on a documentary called Marwin Call that was directed by a guy named Jeff Malmberg. Uh, this, that documentary came out in 2010. But it's based on this man who uh, gets beaten up and this looks like it was some kind of a bar fight or something and he he's in a coma for a few days and he completely loses his memory and so as he tries to put together his his life he creates this miniature town it's like an art installation and he uses Dolls, and I don't know if they're like necessarily like Barbie and Ken dolls or other what other kind of like action figures or different things, uh, and 
and he's and he does this photography project. And so this movie looks like a dramatic retelling of this of this guy's story. And and uh, it's assembled. It's got a great cast assembled. Steve Carell's in it, and uh, anyway, I uh, it's not getting great reviews, and I haven't seen it yet. So, so uh, you might want to ask around, see if Welcome Tomorrow is going to be worth worth your time. Starting on Christmas Day, at least the listings that I have, and this probably is going to vary from market to market, so please check your local listings. But on Christmas Day, we've got some some varied varied picks to add to the mix as well. Uh, there's going to be lots lots of films to choose from. But on opening Christmas Day is the comedy Holmes and Watson. This is from Columbia Pictures, and this looks to me like it's a Sherlock Holmes spoof. It's starring Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. It's directed by Ethan Cohen, E-T-A-N Cohen, and there doesn't appear to be any relation to Joel and Ethan Cohen as of Cohen Brothers fame. But who knows if this is going to be funny or not? I think they're kind of sneaking it in. It might be it, it might be one of those little hidden hidden gems that's hilarious, or it might be dreadful. So the only synopsis I found was. This the Step Brothers, uh, again referring to you know a film that Will Ferrell and John C. Reilly did a while back. The Step Brothers are reunited, this time playing the world's greatest consulting detective and his loyal biographer, Will Ferrell and John C. Reilly star as Holmes and Watson. It's rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association of America for crude sexual material, some violence, language, and drug references. All right. Uh, another film opening up on Christmas Day is Destroyer. This is that another Nicole Kidman flick. So I mean, Nicole Kidman, she's busy. She's she's uh, starring in Boy Erased, which I which last I checked was still in some theaters, and then uh, Aquaman and, and this one. Destroyer follows the moral and existential odyssey of an LAPD detective. Um, who, when she was a young cop, was placed undercover with the gang, and just some some really bad stuff went down. When that leader of the gang reemerges uh, many years later, she's got to uh, work her way back through the remaining members and into her own history with them to finally reckon with the demons that destroyed her past. It's got a really cool cast: uh, Sebastian Stan's in it, Bradley Whitford, uh, Scoot McNary. It looks really interesting and and a, a really gritty role for for Nicole Kidman, and she's such a cool actress. Uh, I I'm a big Nicole Kidman fan, so I, I I'm interested in seeing this film. It's rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America for language throughout, violence, some sexual content, and brief drug use. Next up is on the basis of sex. This is. Maybe not, not necessarily what you think it is from the title. It's a it's a biopic about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and uh, it's from Focus Features, and it's uh, it tells the inspiring and spirited true story that follows Ruth Bader Ginsburg when she was a young lawyer, and she teams up with her husband Marty to bring a groundbreaking case before the U.S. Court of Appeals and overturn a century of gender discrimination. It uh, this feature will premiere 
in line as saying with Justice Ginsburg's 25th anniversary on the Supreme Court. So that's pretty cool. It looks like a, it looks like a good film. Uh, Felicity Jones is playing Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and and also you know it has a new song by Kesha. So <laughs> what's not to like about that? It's rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association of America for some language and subjective and suggestive content. Last film that's getting released on Christmas Day is Vice. And Vice, which is directed by Adam McKay, explores the story of Dick Cheney, as in Vice President Dick Cheney. Uh, it's basically uh, a story about how a bureaucratic Washington insider like Cheney quietly became, uh, as in Dick Cheney, sorry, quietly became the most powerful man in the world as Vice President to George W. Bush. Reshaping the country and the globe in ways that we still feel today. If you've seen the trailers to this, Christian Bale plays Dick Cheney, and honestly, you really wouldn't even know it's him. It's pretty remarkable. He gained a lot of weight, and then I think they clearly do a lot of different things with makeup and prosthetics with 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 him. And Sam Rockwell plays George W. Bush. Steve Carell plays Donald Rumsfeld. Amy Adams plays. Uh, Lynn Bush, Dick Cheney's wife, excuse me, Lynn Cheney, Dick Cheney's wife. And uh, it's it looks like it's going to be a really thought-provoking, interesting piece about the Bush administration and, and about politics of the time. And again, maybe how they uh, affect us or still affecting us today, sounds like as well. So that's Vice. And uh, that's also from Anna Perna Pictures. I'm to mention it's rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America for language and some violent images. So a lot, a lot of films opening up that you can choose from for, for over the Christmas break. We've got Mary Poppins Returns, Aquaman, Bumblebee, Second Act, Welcome to Marwin, Holmes and Watson, Destroyer, On the Basis of Sex, and Vice. reviews this week i just want to continue or i guess and the uh, little christmas movie series that i've that i've been doing this month the last christmas movie that i'd like to talk about that i that i recently watched and and, and it's one that i i think is terrific is the bishop's wife from 1947 this is not to be confused with the 1996 remake the preacher's wife which stars denzel washington and Whitney Houston, and is directed by Penny Marshall, who who sadly passed away uh, this week. But so The Bishop's Wife in 1947, this film stars David Niven as a who is a bishop in the in the church, and he is troubled with finding or excuse me with funding um, the building of a of a brand new cathedral. His wife who's played by, by uh, Loretta Young, as well as their young daughter, are really strained uh, with, with what's going on since, he's, since the bishop is just so focused on getting this cathedral, being 
this cathedral built and getting funds raised for it, etc., and pleasing the investors and all the different things involved with it, that the family's really been neglected. So he he uh, pleads to the heavens for uh, help, and the answer that he gets is a, a very charming angel shows up named Dudley, played by Cary Grant, and Cary Grant, uh, or I guess I should say Dudley, but you know it's just it's such a great role for Cary Grant, just charms his way through this town, and he. He actually helps people. He's help. He helps people uh, along the way, uh, including, including uh, Loretta Young, you know, the wife. Uh, he Dudley though starts getting really attracted to her, and there's some jealousy going on between the bishop and with Dudley, and and. Uh, Dudley. Anyway, there's there's a it's 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 a it's a fun movie. It's it's set at Christmas time, so again, not necessarily a Christmas story, but you know the season is is plays a role and and you know Cary Grant's an angel and all the and all this different stuff, the things that we associate. There's ice skating, things we associate with Christmas and with wintertime. If you haven't seen it, it's I think it's worth seeing. It's a really, really charming film. So that's The Bishop's Wife. As far as other two more reviews I'd like to I'd like to briefly go over. I saw Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which is that new animated film from Sony Pictures Animation. And it is terrific. It's one of the most visually interesting films I've seen in a long time and probably one of the most visually daring films I've seen from a major uh, animation studio in in recent memory or really maybe in any in any memory. It's really cool. It tells the story of Miles Morales. Now Miles is uh, a spider. He he's a Spider Man. You know how comic books. And again, I'm not a reader of these, so please forgive me. I want to make sure that I do want to be accurate in my in my telling of this. But uh, the storyline of Miles Morales is that you know he gets bitten by a radioactive spider, so he gets spider powers. Um, but he's got a little, there's a little interest, some interesting twists in this story. Miles Morales is, uh, in, lives in Brooklyn. He's half Puerto Rican and half African American. His family's still alive. You know, he's, he's got both parents and, and so there's, there's a lot of different dynamic with, with Miles Morales. What they decided to do with this film was so cool though, with the story, because, they're not only telling the story of Miles Morales, but there get this this crazy thing happens with the time continuum, time and space continuum, and uh, five more Spider Mans enter the picture. Now Peter Parker, you know the original Spider Man, his character is involved in Miles Morales's universe, but 
I don't want to give anything away, but some stuff happens there. And then these other ones <laughs> enter. There's uh, Spider-Woman or Spider-Gwen, who's, who's actually Gwen Stacy. You might recognize that name. Then there's Peter Porker, uh, also known as Spider-Ham, who is a pig. A cartoon pig dressed up as Spider-Man. <laughs> a talking pig. There's Penny Parker, who's like an anime Spider-Man. And she's got this really cool uh, biomechanical suit. There's Spider-Man Noir, which is like this kind of film noir slash 1940s uh Detective, detective-looking Spider-Man, and uh, these all these different Spider-Mans come together to fight the villains. We've got Kingpin, and then there's Doctor Octopus. I, I tell you, there's there are so, there are so many characters, there are so many things going on. Easily, this film could have fallen into just being an absolutely convoluted mess. But instead, the storytelling is is so strong. I think just both visually and also just with these terrific acting performances that that you can follow along this incredibly crazy plot. And it, it makes sense, and it's exhilarating, and it's emotional, and it's really fun. And, and I saw it on IMAX, and I just was completely wowed. So... Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is highly recommended. Let me just give you a little bit uh, more on, on this cast, this vocal, this voice cast. So Shamik Moore plays Miles Morales. Then Jake Johnson is playing Peter Parker. Uh, Haley Steinfeld, she's you know back in another movie also in Bumblebee, but this time she's playing uh, Gwen Stacy slash. Spider-Gwen slash Spider-Woman. John Mulaney is playing Peter Porker slash Spider-Ham. Uh, Kimoko, uh, I, I hope I'm saying that right. Kimoko Glenn is Penny Parker. Uh, Nicolas Cage is Spider-Man Noir, which is just brilliant casting, and he's so good. Uh, Lee Schreiber plays Kingpin, and Catherine Hahn is playing Dr. Octopus. So, excellent and fun. Go see it. Really cool, particularly if you like animation. It's really, it's it's really a knockout. So Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Then uh, finally, for reviews, I want to talk about Mary Poppins Returns. Now, uh, you know, we need an another Mary Poppins movie like I Need a Hole in the Head. Uh, I just don't know how you beat the 1964 original. It's just one of the all-time classic movies ever, right? Uh, Disney is clearly is bound and determined to either remake or do a sequel of every one of their big films in their catalog. So I've been just trying to accept that. I don't like it. It makes me sad that here's a company with some of the most amazing creative resources available, and then all they're doing is remaking their existing catalog. However, that being said... Mary Poppins Return is actually quite a delightful film. It is a complete throwback musical to to the golden age of Hollywood, to the you know to the fifties and sixties, uh, even the you know even the forties really. It's it's just the type of 
musical that you would see from that from the studio system of the of the day and they kept it that way they didn't add snarky cynical things they it didn't they weren't trying to give us some kind of a modern touch touch or anything anything uh weird in that regard it is just as earnest and optimistic and delightful as a film that, that you could possibly see i uh was able to attend a presentation last month with the movie's composers. So the music score is by Mark Shaman and the film features all new songs by Shaman and by lyricist Scott Whitman. Uh, Shaman and Whitman wrote the uh, music to the musical version of Hairspray and they've done some other, other projects, but you know, these guys are very talented songwriters and they performed a few of the songs to this. It was just the, it was just the two of them and, and it was Mark Shaman at the piano and basically he did all the singing. Women was there for commentary. He didn't do any performing, any, any, uh, performing any of the music, but uh, they were so... Uh, it was wonderful to hear their love of the... about their love of the original film and how much they respected the Sherman brothers who composed the, the music for the original film. And they really wanted this to be a love letter to the Sherman brothers and to the original. I felt that they honored that. And uh, again, don't know why we need this movie, but I, I left feeling so happy <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, again, I think part of it was because I had had a bit of a... It was it was a real gift for me to be able to <laughs> hear them talk about the film before I actually then, you know, saw it a few weeks later because uh, I, I think I, I needed a little encouragement about, about uh, that this film was going to be okay. The, uh, the director is Rob Marshall... Rob knows what he's doing. He directed the film adaptation of Chicago. And he also directed, not too long ago, a film adaptation of Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods that he also did for Disney. But uh, Rob Rob knows his stuff. The cast is terrific. Emily Blunt just owns it as Mary Poppins. What I, one of the things I really liked about Emily Blunt's performance is that she just... Not that she's playing herself. I mean, but she she was not trying to be Julie Andrews. She was just playing Mary Poppins as she saw it. And I, I admired that. She has a decent singing voice. She's not necessarily asked to do what you know what Julie Andrews did, but she's credible in the role and 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 think she was an excellent choice. Another really brilliant casting choice was bringing in uh, Broadway superstar. Lynn Manuel Miranda, you know Lynn Manuel Miranda is the guy behind Hamilton and uh, In the Heights. He's a wonderful talent and was so good in this movie. He's playing in what would be considered like the Bert role of the original, but this he's actually his name is Jack, and he is a lamplighter or a leery as they're called. But he he and his team light the lamps of London and. Uh, 
he's he's you know very optimistic and and really a fun character and you know lynn just knows his stuff and it was so cool that he picked this lynn was picked this project as as his follow-up to hamilton even though he didn't he wasn't involved with the writing of the songs or anything but i mean just to have him on the team hello amazing the cast is also really impressive uh Ben Wishaws and Emily Mortimer play Jane and Michael Banks. So the Banks children have grown up. I'll get into the plot in just a bit. Uh, Meryl Streep is in it. Colin Firth. Angela Lansbury. <laughs> I mean, please. <laughs> you just, you, you, can't, you can't believe this. You can't believe this cast. So as plot, the plot goes, and I'll keep it, you know, relatively spoiler, spoiler free, but uh, Jane and Michael Banks have grown up. And uh, we assume that their parents have passed away. They're, they're, they're not in the film. And Jane's not married, but Michael Michael got married and had three children, and his wife sadly died. And so, and they've also hit on some hard financial times. Sounds like the, all of the UK in this particular storyline was, was going through a bit of an economic rough period. And uh, so the the family's in the family's in ba- in bad shape. So Mary Poppins shows up again to to help help the Banks family and and to to uh, save them yet yet again in her own special way. The uh, the story's great again. The the acting's great. Everything about it is just really good. So, so again, I wish Disney would stop it, but at least if they're doing it, they are bringing they're there. They are, they are doing it as well as, as can be done. So I hope you go see Mary Poppins returns and you can just go enjoy it with your family and just go have a happy, positive experience. And I tell you when the final number happens, it's just the most optimistic, wonderful, and magical thing. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited to go see the film again over the holiday. For Classic Cinema Corner, just a few, few things to mention. If you're going to be around at home on Christmas Day, uh, you should tune in to Turner Classic Movies, the the the, uh, the network. They are doing comedies for Christmas, and they've got a terrific lineup all day and well into Christmas night. So they've got things like Bachelor Mother, which is a 1939 comedy with Ginger Rogers and David Niven. Highly recommended if you've never seen it and if you're in classic cinema. Uh, Fitzwilly. From 1967 with Dick Van Dyke and Barbara Feldon. Then uh, when primetime hits uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern, holy smokes, they're playing Some Like It Hot, the 1959 brilliant comedy with Jack Lemmon, Tony Curtis, and Marilyn Monroe. Monkey Business from 1952. It's a screwball comedy with Cary Grant, Ginger Rogers. Again, if you've never seen it, it's highly recommended. Lover Come Back. With Rock Hudson and Doris Day, one of the great romantic comedies, you know, from the early '60s, uh, Mr. Deed goes. Mr. Deeds goes to town uh, from 1936. The Frank Capra directed comedy with Gary Cooper and Gene Arthur. Uh, 
And then ending up with with uh, classic W.C. Fields comedy, Never Give a Sucker an Even Break from 1941. So, so anyway, I, I mean, good for them. They're not playing anything schmaltzy. They're going for great comedies, and, and that could really make for a fun... For some fun Christmas Christmas viewing at some point, or even just set your DVR and you can enjoy some of these great comedies over the holiday. On December 26th, the following day, TCM is going to be playing six films uh, honoring the career of Burt Reynolds. As you may recall, Burt Reynolds died uh, last September. And for whatever scheduling reason, they decided, you know, often they'll do this when a major Hollywood star passes away, TCM will will have some kind of a tribute day and pay and play multiple films from that star. Uh, so the six films that they're going to be showing uh, starting on 8 p.m. Eastern time on December 26th. First one up is, is probably Burt Reynolds' best-known film, Smoking the Bandit from 1977. Uh, they're also going to play then Deliverance from 1972, The Longest Yard from 1974, Hooper from 1978, then, you know, how could they not? They're playing Smokey and the Bandit 2, <laughs> the sequel. Uh, it was made in 1980. And then ending up with with uh, Best Friends from 1982. So some interesting films, uh, interesting selections honoring the career and life of Burt Reynolds. Last thing I want to mention in, in uh, this classic Cinema Corner moment is uh, typically I like to have a... a Film watching project. I'll ex establish uh, maybe a genre or a studio or a time period or something, and I'm gonna uh, to to watch a certain number of, of of films. So for 2019, I decided to tackle uh, 52 movies that are listed in a really great book that Turner Classic Movies published called The Essentials. 52 Messy Movies and Why They Matter. Uh, this book was written by uh, frequent TCM contributor Jeremy Arnold. And this book came out in 2016. And I've had and I've had it. And I've, you know, I've I, I don't think I've read, it, you know, every page, but I've 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 studied it over and 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 uh, it's been a it's it's been a nice resource. But I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if I actually watched uh, one of these movies a week. So, you know, there's 52 films that are listed in this book. And then with 52 weeks in the year, you know, figure that could be, that could be a good project. It starts with, and this, these films are listed in chronological order in the book, but it's the first film listed is, is uh, Metropolis from 1927. And then ending with, this is Spinal Tap from 1984. Many of these films I've seen, uh, some of them I haven't, and still I figure with some of these classics it would it would be a, it would be worth revisiting. Uh, I'm going to blog and or podcast about it. So on my on on my website on moviespassandpresent.com, I've got all 52 films listed, and then uh, I will I will just keep you updated as as 2019 rolls along. And if you're interested, please contribute. I've got a link to to get a copy of this book. It's 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 paperback. It's reasonably priced. If it's something that you might be interested in following along as we uh, improve our our film knowledge 
So uh, my essentials project for 2019, I'm excited about it. And thanks for uh, your interest in, and, and hopefully you can follow along too and have some, have some fun and, and, uh, and learn some things along the way. All right, last up, recommendations. So uh, basically, the you know the two of the films I, I reviewed, I think you should go see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Mary Poppins Returns. I'm hoping to see uh, a bunch of these new movies too over the break. And so uh, hopefully in January, I can chime in a little bit and let you know what to see. Or I'll try to put information to it on my Twitter feed and different things if you want to follow along that way as well so uh lots lots of movies to choose from and hopefully you'll be able to have have some fun either at home or at at the theater well thanks again for tuning in i hope you all have a wonderful holiday i'll be taking next week off So look for the next podcast in early January. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.